Mother's Day. Um, I'll just tell you, for, for preachers, Mother's Day is hard because inevitably you're going to have somebody that, like myself, has a great memory of how Mother's Day of your mother, and then there's some people it's not so fond and not so pleasant, but that doesn't affect where you are in your journey and how you can affect someone. So Mother's Day was officially recognized as a special observance in 1914, although Julia Ward Howe first envisioned the idea in 1872. Sometimes it takes a little while to get something accomplished. In 1914, our President Woodrow Wilson then signed a joint resolution of Congress recommending the second Sunday of every May be set aside to pay honor to our mothers. Mother's Day had long been held since then as one of the more precious and most tender observances that we have in the United States. Um, there's several Mother's Day cards that I've given my mother over the years. One of the favorites that I've ever had that I gave her um, that I've seen on the market that spoke for me. It's on the front of the card. It's, uh, it looks like it's written in crayon. And um, it's a picture of a little boy with a dirty face. And um, he says on there, he says, Mommy, um, I remember that special little prayer that you used to pray for me every day. And then when you open it up, it says, God help you if you do that again, son. <laughs> so... That was, that was me. Um, President Abraham Lincoln said one time, he said, he's talking about the person, he says, he is not poor who has a godly mother. And I might add to his comments there that he's not poor, he's internally indebted, but he's not poor. Um, nothing could be truer about a godly mother. When the Holy Spirit moved upon the men that wrote the Bible, when they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, God held a mother's position in high esteem. If you go back and you start looking through scriptures, uh, back in Isaiah chapter 66, now this is that, that chapter in Isaiah where God talks about how powerful he is. Because he starts out that chapter in Isaiah chapter 66, he said, um, I sit on the throne. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. He goes on in that little uh, area there, and he talks about um, judgment against idolatry um, and hope for the future. And then he, he comes in and he says down in verse 13, this is, this is what God thinks about a mother. He says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. You shall be comforted over Jerusalem. So, something so, I mean, when you think about your mother's embrace, something so warm, so inviting. Proverbs 31, God gives us a special picture of a mother's diligence. There's going to be thousands of messages across the United States this morning that are centered in Proverbs 31, talking about uh, the godly mother, the, 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 um, the, the godly woman, if you will. But God talks about a mother's diligence in Proverbs 31. And in verse 15, it describes the mother as one who gets up early while it's still dark to provide food for her family. 
Then you read on down through there, you come down to verse 27. Now, if I've ever got an amen, this is where I should get an amen. But in verse 27, it says, She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat of the bread of idleness. That's God's way of saying that a mother's duties are endless and they never end. You know, while us guys, we've got very important stuff to do. We, we need to sit in our chair and make sure it doesn't run off anywhere. And doggone it, we've got to watch ESPN and make sure that those guys are not telling lies about the statistics that are on ESPN. But mothers don't get to do that, do they? There's always clothes that need to be washed. There's always a meal that needs to be packed. There's always towels that need to be folded. There's always something that needs to be done. Mother doesn't get to enjoy that. Well, get to the point, Paul. I want to focus this morning on a few scripture passages where there are some people that you, you normally don't see in scripture. They're, they're mentioned twice in scripture, then you don't hear anything else about them. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy. These, these two ladies that are mentioned, although almost missed, it'd be easy to miss them as you're reading through Scripture. Although they're, they're kind of pushed into the corner of obscurity, they made a huge impact on our faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul starts out, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you. Father, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that you would just open our hearts up. Speak to us, God. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of such wonderful people, God, such wonderful mothers. I pray every mother this morning would be blessed and would just be able to relish in the love that she is going to be involved in today, Lord. We thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. So if you've studied Pauline theology any, if you followed the way that Paul writes his letters, Paul has a form that if you was to start out an email to somebody, there's always somebody that you do it to. I mean, I've got a way that I do it with my work. But Paul has a form that he follows whenever he writes a letter. So he does a standard boilerplate form here. He, um, he has a formal salutation here. and In his salutation, Paul establishes his credentials of who he is. And then he says, I'm thankful for you, my dear son, in the faith. He doesn't say in the faith there, but... Um, then he, he uses a word here, as you come on down, about the type of faith that Timothy has. Do you remember what he says? He says, your sincere faith.
faith. Not your shallow faith, not your new faith, not any other type of faith. It's a sincere faith. I wondered what that faith was, so I got to looking. And it's a Greek word. I know you love Greek words, right? I don't love Greek words. I love the word tzatziki. <laughs> but it's a Greek word, and it's spelled um, A-N-U-P-O-K-R-I-T-O-S, or T-O-S. Anapokritos is the word. And what it means, now if I said something like, if I was explaining Brother Ashley here, and I said, Brother Ashley lacks something, that would mean that he's incomplete, right? That, that would be almost something of a negative connotation that he lacks. But in this sense, this means lacks, and, and that word comes from a Greek play, you know, the way that they did plays there. They had someone acting the part that they were actually not. It means lacking hypocrisy. Isn't that cool? Timothy, your sincere faith lacks hypocrisy. And it doesn't only live in you, Timothy, but you inherited it from Eunice, who inherited it from Lois, your grandmother. So to operate without putting on any type of hypocrisy or any type of an act, that sincere faith that Timothy has, wow, you're a lot quieter this week than you were last week. I don't have any bags or anything like that this week, okay? But um, that sincere faith isn't something that just happened. He didn't just stumble over sincere faith. Somewhere along the line, young Timothy's life, he wasn't just born. He was raised. He was reared up. It wasn't something that he obtained by having an absentee mother. He, he didn't have someone that was out of the picture. Somewhere along the line, someone had been raising a warrior and planting into that young man. Someone along the line was living a consistent life in front of Timothy. Someone had guided this young man and showed him, this is the way, as the old timers used to say in Pentecost, walk ye in it. Who was this consistent model for Timothy? Was it dad? No. It wasn't. If you go back to Acts chapter 16, flip with me there if you will. You remember last week when we were talking and Paul came to a place called um, Lystra and Derby, and I said he met Sister Fancy Pants? You remember? I hope you can remember. In Acts chapter 16... This talks about how Paul was connected with Timothy. Check this out. It says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish, who was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was what? Greek. A Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him. Uh, because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Um, so it wasn't dad. Dad didn't model the, the ways of Christ. I mean, if, okay, it's totally possible 
that at this point, Paul's dad or uh, Timothy's dad had become a believer, but Paul didn't give credit to Timothy's faith because of his dad, did he? He said, because of your mother and your grandmother, but I guess it's totally possible if we want to argue that. But most of your scholars are going to agree, any of your notes that you've got in your Bible will probably say that Timothy's dad was a non-believer. So Paul gives credit to the place that credit is due by saying Eunice and Lois. This woman Eunice must have been some type of lady. I hear our pastor talk about what a model his mother was. And, um, you know, in his mid-60s, he still just, he loves his mother. You can hear him when he's talking about her here in the pulpit. And it, it breaks my heart that he doesn't have her anymore. But this, this woman, Eunice, she must have been some woman. Um, your scholars are going to say that Timothy was young. But yet, as young as he was, Paul even wrote, he said, don't let people look down upon you because of your youth. Timothy was set up as the pastor at the largest church in that part of the Greek world. What kind of mother she must have been to be able to raise a young man and to teach him to be so level-headed that he could pastor such a large church in that area. I wonder if she studied apologetics and taught it to him. I just got to, you know, I tried to conflate it to our uh, are we in the 20th century? We're in the 21st century now, aren't we? Wow. To our 21st century life where if you send your kid to the wrong school, they're going to come home with some funny ideas, aren't they? You've got to go and undo everything that the educators did and re-educate them. And we're not talking about Jewish territory here. He's in the hotbed of Greek culture where they're just a bunch of pagans. That rubs off on people. In the, in the um, biblical terminology, they call it a Hellenized world, where the Greek culture rubbed off on the Jewish culture, and they became Hellenized. But anyway, they weren't in a Jewish influence. They were in the total Greek influence. So did she have to... I said all that to... Sorry. I'm trying to stay on track here because we got something special going on. Did she have to go with Timothy and help him unravel all the mess that the Greek world put on his life? She was a fish out of water, if you will, being a Jew in this culture. Um, like I said, they were paganistic. So, even though Paul gives credit to Eunice, there's also another player in this that made the impact, and that was Lois. Um, Eunice was a notable woman, no doubt, but she didn't exist in a vacuum alone because someone influenced her. Somebody put a thumbprint on her. Somewhere, somebody influenced her in a major way. You see this played out where one mother has an impact on her daughter. That daughter has an impact on her child. And then that child has an impact on the Greek world. Because of the correspondence that that child has, the year 2017, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, we've got 
New Testament that we could read. Do you, do you see how it unfolds? That's why I said earlier that you may not have had a good experience with your mother, but that doesn't negate or disqualify you from playing out your part for the succeeding generations. Um, the mark that moms leave on their children is powerful. Um, there's things that stick out in my mind about how my mother impacted my life. Uh, I remember as a child, uh, I, I, I was half grown. Um, she told me, she walked in my room, Ava, Illinois, and she said, this is a mess, clean it up. She came back an hour later, still wasn't clean, and she said, I told you to clean this up, and I said, no, and you can't make me. She made me. Um, the closest thing that she could, the closest tool that she could use to make me was a Kirby vacuum cleaner and its cord. And whenever she began to whip me with the Kirby cord, it wrapped all the way around, so I got whipped from every angle, you know. So I remember in fourth grade, um, how many of you have seen my mother, have met my mother? You know the cotton white hair? She's been cotton white since she was in her late 20s, okay? I like to take credit for that hair. <laughs> but it started before I came into the scene. But I remember in fourth grade, I was in Miss Eldridge's class, Trico Elementary in Campbell Hill, Illinois. It was art uh, what, what's those things, Kara, that Madeline, they do this art, art, some sort of art show. I drew a picture of a cheetah in a tree and got first place. They were having a big shindig that night where my picture was going to be in the limelight. Mama was going to take me to school. Except Mama's hair was as white as these lampshades up here, and I beg. You ever seen a child throw a fit in the cereal aisle because he can't have cereal? That was me, fourth grade. Please don't take me to school because of the way your hair looks. You're so embarrassing to me. Dad was a pastor. And uh, Mom, there's got to be one of these women in church that has a wig that you can call and I'm pretty sure she still cries when she tells that story, but that's, uh... folks, that's what I did to her, uh, and she handled it with such grace. Um, I remember one night, my dad was in Israel. Um, <laughs> my brother had a four-and-a-half-foot East African king snake that we had as a pet. And my mother was as scared of that snake as she would be a man in a ski mask pointing a pistol at her face. His name was Damien, the snake was, and he was a wonderful snake. Shane, you got that picture, brother? 
Okay, this, this was Damien. He was an affectionate snake. He was a great pet, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get out of the way here. Forget the Hawaiian belly shirt. That was the 80s, okay? And yes, if you're wondering, that's a poster of Bruce Lee in the background. But anyway, Damien here had a tendency to get out of his aquarium and he'd go into the house in the same spot time after time into mama's closet, into her shoes. <laughs> happened three or four times that that, that happened. I think I'm going to preach right here. I can, I can see you all now. But anyway, so dad's in Israel. Mom is scared to death of this snake. I mean, we could go into that room. We could shut the door, and she would never come in because she was terrified of that snake. But anyway, um, so dad's gone. And I got the idea, as scared as she was of that snake, that it would be funny while Dad was gone, because Dad would have beat me uh, to my death, but that it would be funny if I took a rubber snake and put it inside of her bed so that whenever she climbed in bed and rolled her covers back, sorry, that was what I did, okay? So I did it. I did it. After, so I remember this. I also remember the beating that I got with the rubber snake after mom could breathe. It was a great plan. Yeah, big time. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Kara is going to have to pay for my raising, you know. Um, but then I remember some very precious times. Like I remember um, my mother was the very first person that I told that I heard the voice of God call me into ministry. I, I remember, and, and I was still an unbeliever at that point whenever the Lord spoke to me, but I also remember times of hearing my mother pray for me. And Mama didn't know that I was around. And she would pray and pray and pray for God to get hold of me. Um, I remember in my later teenage years starting to make my own money. And um, so I had a good relationship with mom, always did. And I would take mama on dates and I'd take her out. And back then... Um, Women still wore a lot of hats where we lived, so I'd buy her a hat and a big hat box and buy her a dress and take her out somewhere decent for dinner, and you know we'd spend four or five hours together, and it was just it was a precious time in my memory. Um, so <clears throat> I've got good, fond, fond memories of times with my mom, and if you were raised by a godly mother, I'm sure that you do too. Um, Somewhere along the road, your life has been impacted. Was it her example? Was it her support? Was it her counsel? Was it her humor? Uh, my mom doesn't have much of a sense of humor, and it's kind of funny. You'll tell her a joke, and she doesn't get it, and that makes the joke even more funny. <laughs> or she'll say something, and she's as serious as she can be, but it's at the wrong time, and it's, it comes out the wrong way. And so... But, or was it mom's humility, or was it her hospitality, was it her insight, was it her patience? 
What was it that mom did that impacted you? Was it her sacrifices? I know so many mothers, people don't realize the sacrifices that mom makes. Mama doesn't get new clothes for 10 years, but the kids get clothes all the way through school. I watch my wife time after time. She doesn't get to sit down and eat, but everybody else is eating. Two hours later, she'll come back and eat. It's those sacrifices that mom makes. Was that what impacted you? Was it her faith? Was it her hope? How about her love? Um, you know, there, there's that saying that, has, goes, that goes around that says, so-and-so is such a jerk that only his mama could love him. That really exists. I've worked with those people. I've probably been that person, but somehow God did give moms, he did give mothers the weird ability to love us right through the trouble and the tears that we cause. You know, all hell might be breaking loose on the home front, and you may have caused reproach upon your family, but mama still loves you. Mama still loves you. You can always call mom. You can take that same concept to the prisons. Those that are incarcerated, it's been a number of years now, probably about 10 years ago, but one of the major greeting card companies, um, Tracy, you might, might want to go ahead and make the transition. Um, a number of years ago, one of the really big greeting card companies uh, thought, hey, we're going to do something for the men in a particular prison. So they, they sent all the overrun and overstock Mother's Day cards to prison, to this prison, so that every inmate that wanted to could send their mother a Mother's Day card. And the results were incredible. They, they were... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, of the right thing to say about it. I mean, the, the greeting card company, they, they were just astounded by what happened. Um, in the first hour, in the first hour, every card was gone, and the greeting card company had to ship in more cards. So that same year, they did the same thing come Father's Day. Um, greeting card company sent all their overruns, all their overstocks to that same prison. And the results were even more staggering. They had people there all day to work with the prisoners. All day. So you remember, they ran out of cards at Mother's Day within the first hour. All day, less than 200 cards were sent, filled out to be sent to Dad after a whole day. You, you, you try to tell me that Moms don't make an impact. They do. Um, I know of no one who can leave a bigger mark on a child than a mom. No statesman, no politician, no preacher, no doctor, no businessman, no celebrity. Um, no author, no scientist, um, no civic leader, no entertainer, no military hero. Mom, listen to me. Every mother, listen. Mom 
you are the most influential person in your child's life. Never, never, never forget that. You see, without... Um, there would never be... How do I want to say this? There would never be an Isaac without a Sarah. And there would never be a Moses to lead the children out without a Jehoshabed. There would never be a Samuel without a Hannah. There would never be a um, John the Baptist without an Elizabeth. There would never be a John Mark without a Mary. There would never be a Timothy without a Eunice. There would never be a Lauren and a Rainey without a Rhonda. There would never be a Colton Bryce without a Teresa. You see? Your mark is huge. Like I said, regardless of the past that you had with your own mother, that doesn't disqualify. Make your mark. Make your mark big. Go out and do something to rock that child's world, their thinking, and it doesn't matter. I'm 40. I still call mama all the time. She can still make an impact on me. You can still make an impact. I don't care whether yours is six months old or 60 years old. You can still make a mark on your baby. They may be ungrateful, but the permanence of your mark is something that's going to be there. They may act irresponsibly. They may go to jail. They may even end up on the street. And they may even run from God. And they may tell you to butt out of their life. But you know what? They can never, never, never erase the influence that you have right now. So, with that... We've got some special visitors coming in. Kids, if you will, line up against the wall for just a moment. We're going to pray for our mamas. (coughs) Father, I am so thankful that we have a room full of dedicated women that are wanting to do the right thing to raise these children, God. I thank you for children in this, in this body of believers, God. Lord, I, I ask right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would minister to each mother. God, that you would give them the wisdom to influence the wisdom to be able to say the right thing and to know when to not say the right thing. Lord, Lord, thank you for these mothers, God. I pray that your wonderful blessings would be upon them today. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to them this morning. In Jesus' name. Sister Tracy.